Amen. The book of Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 27. Revelation chapter 3, 1 through 3. We got a very special treat, an unexpected treat. Brother Azar uh, from Beirut, Lebanon is going to be with us next Sunday morning. Uh, he is mightily used of God. He's a great preacher and doing a great work. And we're looking forward to having him with us next Sunday morning. And so if you will, uh, be sure you come ready to have Holy Ghost Revival on Sunday morning. This is Memorial Day, and so uh, we are going to, we want to remember and tell all of our, our church family that's lost loved ones how much we're praying for you and uh, believing God to help. And uh, it's hard for me to believe, it's hard for me to believe that my mom's been gone as many years as she has. I was thinking about her this morning, and uh, sometimes some, it feels sort of like it was yesterday, and it feels sort of like it's been forever. You know the feeling. And so um, we are in prayer for one another today. Hebrews chapter number 12, and verse number 27. If you found it, say amen. amen. And Revelation chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 27. I will, I will mention, this is a message I started to preach several weeks ago. And uh, I got partway through. And the Holy Ghost began to move. And uh, we baptized two or three folks that morning. And, uh, but the, the burden for this message has never left me. And uh, I've been praying for the right time to preach it. And I feel like this is the right time. Hebrews 12 and 27. In this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. You've heard people say that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's, this is actually the verse that phrase came from. The removing of those things that are shaken and of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Revelation 3, 1 through 3, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Verse 2 says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Strengthen the things which remain. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on the subject, what remains. God, I pray for your anointing. I pray, God, for your spirit to move. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to do a work of the Holy Ghost in this place. I've already felt your presence. You've already moved in such a mighty, powerful way. God, I pray for the anointing of your spirit to touch me to preach your word and anoint ears to hear. Have your way, O oh God. 
In the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of your spirit over this congregation. God, that souls will be touched and lives will be changed. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in Jesus' name. In 1980, it was the famed gospel artist, Reverend James Cleveland, that released a song that was titled, I Don't Feel No Ways Tired. According to the gospel music blog, Mass Commons, there was an old sister in the church who was his inspiration for this song. The website said that, quote, she was exhausted, bone-weary. Her feet were swollen. Her back ached. She was short of breath. She had been walking a long and dusty road filled with potholes and fallen branches. She had had a hard life. She walked that road day after day, year after year. She didn't have a nice car. She didn't have someone to give her a ride. She just walked that long, rough, dusty road every day. In the American black churches, they customarily call the old faithful sisters, they call them by the respectful term of mother. The mother of the church, this mother in the church testified in a service and James Cleveland made her testimony the song. And I quote the lyrics when she told the church, I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started. Nobody told me the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. I don't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started. Nobody promised me the road was going to be easy. I don't, I'm still quoting, I don't know about you tonight, but I've been running with Jesus for a long time. And there's something about walking with him, hallelujah, every day gets sweeter than the day before. I'm still quoting the church mother. And for some reason, I don't mind the pitfalls because every time I get one, he's right there. I don't feel no ways tired, Lord. I've come too far from where I started. Nobody told me the road would be easy. Well, I don't believe he'd bring me this far just to leave me. I'm going to say it one more time. I don't feel no ways tired, Lord. I've come too far from where I started, and I don't believe he'd bring me through all the things I've come through. I've been sick, but God brought me. I've been in trouble, and God brought me. I've been trembling. I've been lonely. I don't believe he'd bring me all this way. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. My brothers and sisters, I come to you this morning to tell you that this is not the time to get spiritually tired. We may be walking a long, hard road. It may not be easy. It may be hard, but you can't get tired now. We're running out of time. Amen. We got to keep on going. We got to keep on pushing for revival. If you believe it, why don't you say praise the Lord? Amen. It was the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah that offered the stirring word from the Lord in Jeremiah 12 and 5. He said, if thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, 
then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustedest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? The man of God said, if you ran, if you ran with the footmen and they have wearied thee. Amen. The word wearied means to be exhausted. It means to be tired, to be offended. If what the pastors and the bishop and the lay minister and the guest preachers have preached and what they preached was too much for us, amen, if the word was too tough, if the message rubbed my flesh the wrong way and it wearied me, then how will I ever be able to contend when the horses of the apocalypse are released? The message is you got to run with the footman. You got to take the preaching of the word of God and apply it to your life. Because when the end time comes and the horses of the apocalypse are released, if you can't make it now, you won't make it then. Amen. If you can't live for God now, you're not going to live for God when the end time comes. How can you run with the horses? And then he went on to say, if in the land of peace where you trusted, they wearied thee. He said, if you got tired in a time of peace and comfort and plenty, then when the, when the Jordan swells, what are you going to do? What he's saying is if you, can't, if you can't live for God when things are going good, you're not going to be able to make it when things fall apart around you. When the flood comes and the horsemen come. Folks, this is not the time to be looking to quit. It's not the time to be looking for sugar-coated sermons and patty cake church. It's not the time to say, I don't want you to preach that to me because it rubs my... Now is the time we got to run with the footman because the horses and the swelling Jordan are on its way. We're living in the end time, brothers and sisters, and we got to be ready when the Lord comes back. In the book of Revelation, the book that talks about what's going to happen in the end time, there are seven churches that are described in the book of Revelation. And each of them show certain characteristics of the end time church. Each one describes a particular battle that the end time church is going to have to fight. Sometimes it describes a whole congregation. For instance, when you look at the church of, La of the Laodiceans, it tells us that their spiritual condition was that they were lukewarm. They were neither cold nor hot. They weren't just completely carnal and cold on God, but they weren't on fire either. They were somewhere in the middle. And he said, I have a problem with lukewarm. Amen. And so sometimes when you look at the book of Revelation and you look at these seven churches, we're tempted to ascribe those characteristics to a certain church maybe in a certain area or a certain city. But it's my contention that there's elements of all seven of those churches in every church. Amen. Every church has some lukewarm folks. That's right. Every church has some Philadelphia brotherly love folks that are just going on and doing what God says. Some characteristics of all of these conditions are in every church. The particular church that we read about in the book of Revelation chapter number 3 is the church at Sardis. And unto the angel, Revelation 3 and 1, unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest 
and art dead. Sardis was a city of Asia Minor and capital of an area known in the Bible as the area Lydia. It was the ancient residence of the kings of Lydia. They would build their palaces in Sardis. At one time, their kings were known for their immense wealth. Their farmland was fertile. There were they were on major trade routes that connected, that connected that part of the world with Asia. This was a fantastically blessed city. When a city is blessed, it draws the attention of enemies. Spiritual enemies always hate blessed people. And spiritual enemies always try to steal the blessings from the people who have been blessed. Praise God. It was the famed Persian king Cyrus that attacked the city of Cyrus. I'm sorry, the city of Sardis. And it said that he, has that he took $600 million worth of treasure from the city of Sardis in 548 B.C. A couple of hundred years later, 250 years later or so, 300 years later, the, the king of, of Rome, the Roman emperor, the army leader Antiochus the Great came to Sardis and plunged the city and plundered it again. Afterward, it was attacked and defeated by the kings of the area known as Pergamos. Each time the enemy came, it took what it could from Sardis, but Sardis would recover. But it would recover and it was left just a little bit weaker from the battle. It lost just a little bit from the struggle that it had. Finally, Alexander the Great delivered a fatal blow to the city. Now, to this day, there is a small village that sits in the area, but only the ruins of what was once a great city remains. Travelers describe the appearance of the town as complete solitude and loneliness. This is a sad story for, for the city of Sardis and the great church of Sardis to go from a fantastically blessed city to being a solitary, lonely place plundered by attack after attack from the enemy. By the time John the Apostle wrote of the city of Sardis, it had been attacked and plundered many times, but they had not quite yet been finished off by Alexander. This was their warning that an enemy was coming and the enemy was going to destroy them if they did not strengthen that which remained. This particular church, according to the scripture, had a reputation greater than its reality. They had a name that they were alive, but the Bible said they were dead. In the natural, they looked like they had everything, but in the spirit, they were destitute. Their enemies and the age in which they lived had taken a toll on them. It was difficult. It was perilous times. The church of Sardis was in a struggle for its survival. The prospects of the times were bleak. It looked bad for Sardis. But though the church looked like it was in dire straits, the scripture gave Sardis a word of instruction and hope. Revelation 3 and 2. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before the Lord. The Lord said, I know that it looks tough. I know you've had enemy 
after enemy come and take things that were precious to you. There are some things, however, that are still intact. Some things still remain. I've come today to this pulpit with a message of hope for somebody in this place today who perhaps you look at the circumstances of your life and the outlook doesn't look great. Over the years, you fought battles one after the other. And somehow you recovered and you made it through when maybe you thought you weren't going to survive that particular attack. You survived it and you went on. And then later came another enemy and you survived it and you went on. And then came another enemy and you survived it, but you went on. But each one of these attacks left you progressively weaker and tired. Amen. It was at this point, after attack, after attack, and after attack, that the man of God began to write to the church at Sardis. And he said, I know you've lost some stuff. I know you've lost some battles. I know the enemy has taken its toll on you. But there are still some things that remain. Praise God. All is not lost. Everything isn't gone. There's still hope if you'll strengthen that which remains. You can't cry over yesterday's battle. You can't cry over yesterday's defeat. You have to take initiative today and find what remains, and you've got to strengthen that which remains. Amen. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah found himself in a terrible famine. The entire land was gripped with starvation. The flocks were gone. The, the grass was gr gone. The grain was gone. The fruits and vegetables were gone. But the Lord had a plan for Elijah. In 1 Kings 17, 9 and 10, the, the Lord spoke to the prophet and he said, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. That must have come as a shock to this man of God. This man of God had been dwelling by a brook and had been fed by ravens. But now the brook has dried up and the ravens have quit flying by. And now he sits by a dry brook waiting for the birds to come and feed him when the Lord speaks to him and he says, get up, leave this place, go to Zarephath. He said, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. The Lord had commanded a widow woman to sustain Elijah. I think it's awesome that God had commanded her, but she didn't know it yet. Amen. Sometimes God sets people up and they're completely unaware that he's working. While the circumstance looks bad, while the situation looks bad, while the problem seems hopeless, God is working before you even know he's working. Amen. This widow doesn't know that God's getting ready to use her. She doesn't know that God's getting ready to turn her life around. She doesn't know that God's getting ready to set her life on fire. 
She's just trying to get through the, the trouble. She's just trying to get through the struggle. She's just trying to get through the famine. That great store she used to have is gone. Now she's whittled down to where there's almost nothing left. Some of you are thinking, God help me this morning. Some of you are thinking that maybe it's over for me. Maybe my best days are behind me. Maybe, maybe all I'm going to have is a memory of what God used to do for me and what I used to be and what I used to have. And maybe there's no future for me. Maybe this is my lot in life just to get by a little bit, just to get by long enough and hope that I make it till the Lord comes back. I've come to tell you that some of you have widow woman thinking that I'm just about done and I'm just about over. But if you could see the mind of God, you might have walked in here thinking you were on your last day. But God knows you're at the very beginning of a great future. I've come to tell somebody that you may feel like you're empty, but there are some things which remain. You think it's over, but God has a plan. You may be completely unaware of it, but God has commanded your blessing already today. Amen. Uh, can I just tell you what I feel? That if some of you could see in the spirit right now, there would be an angel hovering above you with a basket full of blessings ready to pour them out on you. And you think you've been forgotten. And you think you've been forsaken. And you think you've lost all hope. But what really is, you've been set up for a miracle. You've been set up for the greatest breakthrough of your life. You've been thinking it was over, but there's some things that remain. And God said, if you'll strengthen that which remains, there's a miracle waiting for you. This, this widow, this widow woman is out gathering sticks. That's what she's doing. She's gathering not a lot of sticks, just two sticks. But I will tell you this, that miracles find people who are willing to work. This woman, she didn't have much. She didn't have a lot of future. But she was willing to work for what little future she did have. She was at least out trying in the famine. I'd imagine that by now with the, with the, the, the livestock dying and with the, the grass, this famine had been going now for years. And now uh, all, of the, all of the sticks close to the village have already been gathered up. All the ones close have already been burned. All of them are, but now, without the lush, without the rain bringing the, the, the fertility to the land and the trees growing, now she's out gathering not a bunch of sticks, just two sticks. Amen. Because you don't need much wood if you don't have much to cook. And so she was even out in a famine trying. May I tell you that even in bad circumstances, this lady was working and trying to do something with what she had. I will tell you, miracles find people who are willing to be busy no matter what's going on in their life. I've watched people in this very room right now that there were moments in their life when their world was crashing down and it looked like there was no way that God was going to work it out. But I watched them just come to church and be faithful and worship and come to church and be faithful. And I watched them lift their hands when they were brokenhearted. And I watched them as they sang and as they worshiped when their heart was broken and their hope was gone. But they just kept right on going. They just kept on with their two sticks. 
They just kept right on. They, they may not have shouted as loud as some shouted. They may not have shouted as much as some people shouted, but they just kept on going. And God has a soft spot for people who just keep on going, even when it doesn't look good, even when it doesn't feel like it's going to work out, but they just keep going and they don't stop. Miracles come to people who keep going. That's why you can't be no ways tired this morning. That's why you can't quit this morning. That's why you can't stop this morning because you may stop one step away from your miracle. I think about this lady. I've preached a lot about this, this lady over the years. I think about how I, I try to put my mind in the mindset of the people in the scripture. And I think about this, 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 this widow woman that when she wakes up in the morning and she looks in her, in her barrel that, that used to be full of meal, but now there's just a handful in it, a handful of meal in a barrel. You can imagine how lonely that handful looks. I mean, you, you know how it is. I, I, was at a, I was at a hotel the other day, and, and I got to have coffee to survive. My blood type is coffee. They take my blood, it comes out brown just the way I like it. And I, I, I was trying to get some coffee and I got to the coffee pot and I, and I lifted the little, little thing and, and man, it was just barely coming out. And I thought, that's not enough. I'm gonna have to get some more. And so I picked it up and I held it over. No, I didn't do that. I was just trying to, I was trying to see if he was paying attention. But I put my cup down and I grabbed that, I grabbed that coffee pot and I leaned it forward so that all the coffee in the back can come, can come all the way to the front and, and get in that cup. And I've got a few grounds in the bottom, I'll admit it, but that's just stuff to chew. <laughs> but I, I, I tilted that so I could get all the coffee out of it that I could. And I gotta imagine this widow woman in the morning when she looked down in that barrel of meal that she probably had to tilt it and get it all to go to that corner so she could just grab what she said was a handful. I got to imagine when she looked over there and she looked at the, the crews of oil and she noticed she's got just a little bit in the bottom. There's not much left. I can imagine that maybe it went through her mind, what's the point of even trying? What's the point of even messing with it? What's the point of putting what little energy I do have into going and finding two sticks to build a fire? What's the point of even trying? The point of trying is you never quit, no matter what. The point is when you serve a miracle working God, you're always just one step away from a breakthrough. And maybe somebody woke up this morning and it crossed your mind, what's the point of even trying? What's the point? No matter what I do, it seems like it doesn't work out. The point of trying is that you serve a miracle working God and you may just be one moment, one step away from your breakthrough. I'm trying to encourage somebody. Don't give up. Strengthen that which remains. Don't throw in the towel. Strengthen that which remains. She's out gathering her sticks and 1 Kings 17, 11 says, and as she was going to fetch it, she that he called to her. He, he asked her, he asked her for a drink of water and as she was going. I love that phrase, as she was going to fetch it. She didn't just, she, she, she was going. I'm telling you that 
that if you will act on what God tells you to do, it will open up the opportunity for you to act when he tells you more. But if she would have said, you know what, get your own water. You got two legs just like I do. You go, hey, I, I'm in the same famine you're in, preacher. I'm just as thirsty as you are. Get your own water. But when, she, when he said, Give, fetch me a drink of water, the Bible says she was going to fetch it. When the word of God comes to your life, no matter how minute it may seem, no matter how helpless it may seem, and no matter how much of an inconvenience it may be, when God gives you a word, if you'll act on that word, it may open up the possibility for the supernatural in your life. Praise God. Let me just ask you, is there anything more natural than getting a drink of water? Y'all okay this morning? Is there anything more mundane than getting a drink of water? I mean, you got to have water every day if you're going to live. There's not very many things more mundane than just getting a drink of water. But when you do the ordinary, it opens the opportunity for the extraordinary. <laughs> Praise God. When you do the ordinary, it opens the opportunity for the extraordinary. When you do the average, it opens the opportunity for a miracle. I'm telling you, you may say, well, preacher, why do you keep telling me to worship God? Because when you do the ordinary, it opens the opportunity for the extraordinary. Why are you telling me to worship, preacher? We do this all the time. Because when you do the common, it makes a way for the uncommon. When you do the natural, it makes a way for the supernatural. That's why we got to keep pushing in prayer and worship and keep pushing in the natural because we're one step away from our miracle. As she was going. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Go, go draw water from the well. The Bible said in Isaiah, with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. I'm just going to tell you right now. Why don't you get a drink of water right now? Why don't you spiritually get a drink of water from the well? You do it by praising him. You do it by thanking him. You do it by worshiping him. But if you'll do it while you're going, it may open a supernatural miracle. Oh, yes, Lord. God, I worship you. God, I praise you. God, I glorify you. God, I'm going to do the mundane because I know you're a miracle-working God. Oh, I wish somebody get a hold of what I'm preaching right now. You got to strengthen that which remains. If all you have is a hallelujah, then strengthen it and give your hallelujah. If all you have is a hand wave, then strengthen it and give a hand wave. If all you've got is an amen, then strengthen it and say amen. As she was going, I wish somebody would go to worship right now. I wish somebody would go to prayer right now. I wish somebody would go to praise right now because your response to the little thing can open a great thing up for you. Hey, I feel like I'm prophesying to somebody right now that worship has been difficult because all the troubles you've had. Worship has been hard because of all the pain you've had. But I'm telling you, if you'll go fetch a pail of water, God will open an avenue for a supernatural breakthrough for somebody. 
If you don't master the mundane, if you don't master the ordinary, you'll never break through into the extraordinary. If you don't master the common, you'll never walk in the uncommon. If you, don't matru- ma- if you don't ever master the natural, you'll never walk in the supernatural. As she was going, I wish somebody, I'm t- I can't hardly get off this point. I wish somebody just go ahead and go another step towards your worship. Because that once, as she was going, God speaks prophetic words to people who are moving. You can't stand still and expect to see your miracle. You can't stay where you are and expect to have your breakthrough. God gives a word to people who are moving while she was going. Hey, I feel a breakthrough coming into Bethlehem right now. Hey, Hallelujah. Sometimes the, sometimes the prophetic will never call you if you stand still while she was calling, while she was moving, while she was going. The man of God, the prophet, called to her. You can get your calling, but not if you're standing still. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody go ahead and go one more step towards the well right now. Amen. I wish somebody would move towards the well a little bit right now. Because when you start moving towards the well, the prophetic begins to call to you. As she was going, he called to her. If you take that step, God may very well call you to another level. He may call you to a deeper place in him. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. God, I speak faith into this house. God, I loose the gift of faith to operate in this place right now. I loose the gift of faith to operate for our online audience that are watching at home in the name of Jesus. Strengthen that which remains. Hallelujah. I feel like I got to preach just a minute more. Because when he called to her, he said, now make me a little cake. He said, bring, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. Better hold your hand out and say, I have not a cake. I don't, I don't have what you're asking for. God, you, you've come to me and you've asked me for something and I don't have what, you, what you're asking me for. She said, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. I'm gathering two sticks. I may go in and dress it for me and my son. 
that we may eat it and die. Prophet, I don't have a cake for you. All I have left, all that remains is a little meal and a little oil. I don't have bread. I don't have a cake. But you're wrong, lady. You don't have the cake, but you've got the ingredients for a cake. You don't have the finished bread yet. You don't have the finished loaf yet. But you have everything you need to make one. You don't have enough to make extra, but you got enough to make enough for right now. So instead of worrying about tomorrow's bread, let's think about right now. You have all the ingredients you need for a miracle. A handful of meal. Everybody hold out a hand. A handful of meal. And a, hold out your other hand. And a little oil. I've got a handful of meal remaining and a little bit of oil remaining, but I don't have a cake. But what you have are the ingredients for your cake. You only lack two things, work and fire. And you, got, you can give the work and you can start a fire. The only thing you don't have is the fire, but you've got everything you need for a fire because you got two sticks. If you got two sticks, you can make a fire. What I'm telling somebody is you feel like you can't do it. You feel like you can't make it. You feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you don't have enough. You don't have enough talent. You don't have enough ability. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough faith. You just use what you've got, and you've got every ingredient you need for a revival to come. You got to strengthen that which remains. If all I had was a hallelujah, then I'd shout hallelujah. If all I had was an amen, I'd shout amen. If all I had was a hand clap, I'd clap my hands. If all I had was a hand wave, I'd wave my hand. But I'd do whatever I had to to get my ingredients in motion. Yes, Lord. Come on, you've got, I'm telling everybody in this place, you've got everything you need for a miracle because you've got a God of a miracle. I wish somebody give him praise right now. Hallelujah. I rebuke doubt and unbelief. I take dominion and authority over it by the word of God. And by the name of Jesus, I rebuke every demonic spirit of hell that tells these people that they can't do it, that they can't make it, that they, can't, that they don't have enough, that they're useless, that they're hopeless, that they're no good, that they're good for nothing. I rebuke the devil that tells them that they're washed up and washed out. I rebuke the devil that tells them that they can't do anything for God, that it's too late, that it's over, that they've messed up too much, that they've gone too far, that they gave too much away. God, I rebuke that demonic spirit from hell that tells anybody in this place that they don't have what it takes to make it. You've got what it takes. Just strengthen what remains. You wouldn't be here if there wasn't something remaining. God wouldn't have let you walk through the doors of this building to come in this auditorium today if you didn't at least have a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. Reach over and pray with somebody right now. Amen. Maybe it's reach across the aisle, but somehow pray for that person next to you. God, strengthen their faith. God, I loose the gift of faith to operate in this place. Faith, oh God, to endure. 
faith, oh God, to walk with you. Faith to overcome discouragement. Faith to overcome anxiety. Faith to overcome depression. Faith to overcome fear. Faith to overcome addiction. Faith to overcome failure. Faith to overcome condemnation. Faith to overcome that spirit that says it's too late to ever do anything. I rebuke that devil in Jesus' name. Strengthen that which remains. Just start where you are and start going forward. Just start right where you are and start moving ahead. Here's what the Lord said, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste. If you leave it in the barrel, it'll waste. But it's not going to waste if you take it in your hand and give it. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Widow. God said, he is going to sustain you until your revival comes. He's going to keep you every day from now until the rain falls on you. Look, I can't tell you when you're going to have real deep happiness and joy after your trial again. But I'll tell you, if you'll give God what remains, he'll keep you until the day that your revival comes. He'll keep you until your rain falls. He'll keep you until your breakthrough happens. Amen. I felt, I felt like the Lord laid it on my heart about five minutes ago to do something, and I pushed it off because in my mind, Brother Patton, I thought that sounds silly. And so I, so I decided not to do it, and I just kept on preaching. And then about two minutes ago, it came to my mind again, and Brother Craig, in my mind, I thought, that sounds silly. I'm not going to do that. And then I preached two more minutes, and just about 30 seconds ago, the Lord laid it on my heart again, and I decided it might be silly, but it also might be a miracle for somebody. And so if it's silly, I'll wear it, and if it's a miracle, you can enjoy it. But I felt like he told me to tell somebody that feels like they're down to their last couple of drops of oil. The oil is the anointing. It represents the Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The meal is from the earth. It's, the, it's ground grain. It's, 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 it's from the investment into the field. It's your, own, it's your own investment in it. And so what I felt like the Lord was telling me is to tell somebody to just go ahead and just lift up what little bit you got. Lift up the little bit of grain. And lift up your little bit of oil. And just give it to God in praise right now. And God said, I'm not going to let it die until your revival comes. You just keep lifting it up every day. Until God sends the rain, he's going to make sure you make it. So when tomorrow comes, lift it up again. 
And when Tuesday comes, lift it up again. And when Wednesday comes, lift it up again. As long as you're in the, as long as you're in the drought, just keep lifting your praise to God. As long as you're in, I challenge you every single day to raise your hands to God, no matter how rough it is, no matter how bad it may seem, no matter how difficult it may seem. Come on, there's a miracle in this place right now. Oh, that's right. Lift it up to him. Lift it up by faith. Lift it up by faith. God, you're able, Lord, in Jesus' name. I'm believing God for a fresh anointing. I'm believing God for a fresh touch. Hallelujah. Brother Jamie, put your hands on Brother James's shoulders and begin to pray for God to give him strength. Trevor, lay your hand on Luke and begin to pray. He's supposed to be going in for chemo in just a few days. We're going to believe God to touch him and strengthen him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God, I believe in you, Lord, for miracles in this place. When God is in it. If anybody came in here with a special burden on your heart, something that's been troubling you, something that's been bothering you, I'm not going to ask you to say who it is. I'm just going to ask you to come find somebody and say, look, pray for me. You don't have to tell them what it is. You don't have to explain it to them. You just tell them, look, there's something I've been troubled by, something I've been worried about, something I've been fighting against, something I've been, that's been on my spirit. I want you just to grab somebody and say, look, you got to pray for me right now. That preacher's talking to me. And I need, I need what remains to be strengthened. That's right. There's no need to be ashamed. There's no need to be ashamed. We're not asking for a church-wide confessional. It's just a matter of, God, I need you. Hallelujah. That's right. Offer it to God. In the name of Jesus, God, I lose peace for a troubled mind. God, I lose peace for a troubled spirit. God, in the name of Jesus, I lose healing in somebody's body. God, I lose a revival in somebody's soul. God, I lose a fresh anointing and hope in somebody's family right now. Come on, can you lift your voice all over this place and begin to pray and begin to believe God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's right. Lift your voice in prayer. Strengthen that which remains. Hallelujah. Oh, he's the God that takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. In the name of Jesus. Oh, yes.
Yes, Lord. That's right. Call on the Lord. God, I pray for your strength to come to somebody. Strengthen that which remains. Zach, lay your hand on Sister Anna and begin to pray for her, that God would touch her in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. That's right. Be led by the Spirit. to listen to this right quick while you're praying and Brother Ethan's playing softly. A few years ago, I had a vision. I was down here and I was praying. It was on a, on a prayer night and it was uh, during when Brother Lewis was here in revival for those six months or however long it was. And I had a vision. And I was sitting here on my knees and I was praying. And then I look up, and a hand is coming out of the seat. It's just all white, but I see a, a big hand come out. And I heard a voice. It said, give it to me. I said, what do you want, uh, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give you? It said, give it to me. So I took out my wallet, and I put it on the, I put it on the altar. It said, give it to me. So I was like, I don't have anything else. I took my shoes, I said, okay, I'll, I took my shoes off and I put it on the altar. And there's several things, my keys, everything I had in my pockets, I put on the, I put on the altar. I said, God, that's all I got. That's literally all I have. And that hand is right there. And it was like I had an out-of-body experience. I saw myself, and I was over here, and I saw myself at the altar, and it said, you have everything that you need, just like Pastor V said a while ago. I've not known what this vision was for, but I feel like somebody needs to have an extra confirmation today that he's in the will of God right now. You have everything you need right now for the situation that you're in. Strengthen it right now today. Strengthen yourself in this situation. And God's going to take you further than you can ever imagine. You have everything that you need for where you're at right now. Just give it to God and strengthen it today. to reach over and pray with somebody. In the name of Jesus, strengthen my brother, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost cover his family, his wife and baby, his health. In the name of Jesus, God, let him be on the altar for you, Lord, to give you everything, God. Eat up, I 
That's right. Minister one to another. Be spirit-led right now. We've had enough ritual. We've had enough go through the motions. We need spirit-led prayer now. to let you stop.
continue to be this way. We're going to continue praying as long as you want. We'll see you back tonight. 615, 6 o'clock in the prayer room. Why don't you look at someone and tell them the Lord is 